here's what's happening. We're wrapping up our series called Exponential today. How many of you enjoyed Brian Bolt last week? <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? You know, I mean, there was actually somebody that has ADD worse than me, and you guys loved him too. And so it's just an amazing process. You know, but we had a great time. I spent the whole weekend with Brian, just dreamed. And there's probably going to be some of the things that he talked about is actually probably going to happen through us here at the church over the next 18 months or so. So we're pretty pumped about that. Um, so, so we're wrapping up this series called Exponential. And God has something amazing for us. As a church, what we're trying to do is we're trying to position ourselves to experience this idea of exponential growth, that, that it's this incredible, rapid increase of what God's doing. He's doing something really cool here. We, we keep, I keep asking people from second service to come to this service. Thank you, by the way, those of you who have done that. And so we're just growing, trying to figure out how to max out this, but this exponential growth thing. So our key text is found in 2 Corinthians for this whole series. And we do a key text every series trying to help you find a verse to memorize. And it says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. It says, our hope, and that, that word hope is really this idea of a dream and a passion. Our, our dream, our passion, our desire. We, we hope to see this happen. Our hope is that your, as your faith continues to grow, that God would grow something in it. It would mature, and that's the, the concept there. And it says then, it goes on, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand. And, and here's, here's an interesting thought, and maybe you haven't thought about this personally, but all of us in this room have a circle of influence. All of us do. I mean, every one of us in this room have a circle. Every one of us have relationships and encounters and acquaintances, and it's Probably not just because they're there. It might be, if you're a follower of Christ, a very strategic part of who you are as a person. There's, there's a circle. And, and he's asking in this hope and this prayer that that would increase. It would greatly expand. And it goes on and says, verse 16, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Beyond you. And this week, as I was praying through our key text, the phrase beyond you just kept jumping. I couldn't get away from it. Beyond you, beyond you, beyond you. Something that's beyond you, something that's past you, something that's bigger than you, something that's greater than you. Somehow that we would experience this beyond you thing that God has for each one of us. And so as it jumped out at me, I realized that maybe God wants to do an exponentially growth, an exponential growth thing in us, but it has to be because it's beyond ourselves. It's beyond me. Just, just beyond who I am as a person and what can happen. So let me give you real quickly three quick thoughts. This is like a mini message to the key text before we get into the message, all right? And so here's the first one, is that we need to look beyond our own abilities. Our own abilities. How many of you realize today that you have limitations? Matter of fact, maybe you should just tell the person next to you, you have limitations. Just, just let them know that. That might be the first time they've ever heard that. You know, you just gave them, you know, right? You know, we all have limitations. And so to live beyond ourselves, we have to li- look beyond our own abilities. And sometimes we don't experience what God wants to do because we limit God to our abilities and don't make room for his. It's all based on what I can make happen, not what he can make happen. And God wants to do the impossible through us. And so I think the first step in us understanding this beyond thought is not looking at our abilities, but looking at his. So here's another thought, is we need to look beyond our own needs, our own needs. 
And sometimes, this is what I think happens, I mean, I'm in this category too, is that sometimes all we focus on is our own needs. We get so focused on what's happening in my life, we can't see what God maybe wants to do in somebody else's life. We get so wrapped up in our circumstances and our situation and our problems and our, you know, whatever that we can't see. And so somehow if we're going to experience this exponential growth, we have to look beyond our own needs, beyond our own comfort, beyond our own convenience, beyond our own circumstances. And that can be very hard sometimes. And maybe the exponential thing that God wants to do through us has been limited because we have made it all about us. And the reality is this, is God wants us to get past us. God wants us to get past us, to live beyond, beyond our needs, beyond these things. Not that God isn't caring about that because he truly cares about your needs and where you're at. But so many times, if that's all we focus on, we never get to that point where God wants us to be in relationship to him and the world around us. Here's the third one, is we need to look beyond our own goals, our own goals, our own dreams, our own hopes, if you will, that, that thing. You know, not to say that God doesn't care, because again, God cares about you and your abilities and your needs and your goals. He cares about those things, but it all needs to be done in relationship to His. And so this idea that sometimes our goals are actually competing with God's goals, that sometimes my values are actually contrary to God's values. And because of that, I can't live beyond myself. I can only live within myself. I'm just limited in that because I've made it, again, about me. And so what we want to see happen isn't the same thing as what he wants to see happen. And so then we, we're not experiencing the great things because our thing is competing with his thing. There's a tug of war, so to speak, a wrestling match with God. And, and who's going to be in charge? Who's going who's gonna to call the shots and what's going to happen? And somehow, to get beyond ourselves, we've got to look beyond our abilities, look beyond our needs, and look beyond our own goals. And so that's just kind of a little, little mini thought before we jump in here today. So here's the big question for this series. How do we experience exponential growth in our lives and in our church? How do we experience that? How does that happen? Let me just review real quick. If you weren't here, you can go back and listen to the podcast, but I'm just going to hit each main point as we wrap it up today. The, the first week we talked about exponential growth happens when I understand God wants me to increase. He wants me to grow. I understand that. And there was two principles that we gave with that. And these, these become the foundation of everything that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And here's the two principles. It flows from God through me. That, that's the principle. The principle is that God wants to bring about growth and increase in my life and in our church. But if it's going to happen the way God divine, designed it, it's going to have to come from him and flow through me. He chooses to do that graciously. He does that from God through me. And second thought and principle that we laid down was it was all about giving, not gathering. You know, sometimes we think that increase is just about how much can we circle up and gather up and pile up and make all that happens. It's just the opposite with God. When God talks about giving us increase and us growing, he's really talking about us getting to the place where we're willing to give it all away. He said, if you want to find your life, you need to lose your life. And so that idea, it's not about gathering, it's about giving. So that was week one. 
And then the second week we talked about exponential growth happens when I live by a biblical investment strategy and we talked about things like it's all God's, it, you know, tithing is first and, and all these different thoughts. We, we kind of talked about God's biblical investment strategy to change the world and it works. It's God's plan. And then last week, Brian did a great job. Exponential growth happens when I give myself to extraordinary faith, which leads to incredible influence. And he told stories about how just a little bit of impact by faith can change families and and lives and, and stories around you like crazy. I mean, it just happens that way. And so he talked about all that. But today, I want, I want to finish up and wrap up with this idea that exponential growth, and this is a fill in the blank for you, exponential growth happens when I embrace the invitation of God to be on a mission with God. To be on a mission with God. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not, but God's inviting you to be a part of something that's really big. It's called the redemption story. It's called the very thing that the whole thing was created for. And God is actually asking you and asking me that, to be a partner with that, to, to be involved in that, to actually, you know, and, and I always say it this way when he looks at my life, I'm like, Lord, are you sure you got the right guy, <laughs> right? Come on, anybody with me? <laughs> not, not me personally, I mean, for you personally, <laughs> you know, so you'll, yeah, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But does he have the right guy? You know, I, I, and, and, and obviously it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about him. And so, so what he's doing is he's calling us to this mission, this, this idea of being sent. That's what it is. And God is inviting us to, all of us, to partner with him to reach as many people as possible. That's what he put us here for. That's why we're here. I mean, you know, the whole point of this, what we're doing right now, isn't just to have a good church service. That's not the point of it. The whole point of it isn't so that we can just hang out with people that we kind of like. For an hour, you know? I mean, hopefully you like them better than kind of, but I mean, that's not the point of it. The point is that somehow we would be mobilized in the mission that God has placed before us to reach a hurting, dying world. And so he's inviting us to be a part of it. Check out a couple of verses here. That's what Jesus said in John 17, verse 18. He said, in the same way, Jesus speaking, in the same way you gave me a mission, talking about the Father giving Jesus a mission, in the world, I give them, you and I, a mission in the world. Again, he, it, it's, it's this idea that God has something very significant and very special for us to fulfill. And then here, here's another verse. And, 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 and again, it's us impacting influence in the world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says it this way. God will do this. Again, it comes from God, but it flows through us. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says. And as he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so it's this idea that we're linking arms with the creator of all things to do something that is so grand and so big, it blows your mind to think that God would invite you and I to be a part of this story. And that's what's happening. And so today I want to take some time to talk about how God is inviting us to be a part of that story, how he's weaving us, if you will, into the story of what he's doing, and we get to be along for the journey, this exponential thing that he wants to do. So I want to go to a parable. It's called the parable of the great feast, great feast, and it's in Luke chapter 14, which, by the way, is right before Luke chapter 15, and Luke chapter 15 is where Jesus talks about a lost coin, a lost son, and a lost sheep. There we go. I mean, this idea. So it's very connected to this reaching the people and exponentially impacting the world around you. And so 
Check out what he says. Verse 16. A man, and the man here is, is God. He's the master. He's the man. He's the man. That's kind of funny, isn't it? He's the man, yeah. A man, I thought it was funny. Sorry, you guys could at least smile. All right? A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pair of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, and so I can't come. And that one kind of cracks me up, and I'll talk about that in a second. But verse 21, and the servant returned and told his master what they had said. You know, he told them all about the excuses. And his master was furious that God was, God was so desiring. You know, and again, God is the man. That God was so desiring that they would come, and when they didn't, he, he was passionately upset. He was upset with the situation because it was a moment missed. And it goes on, it says, and, 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 and was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the towns and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Verse 22, And after the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. There is still room for more. Verse 23, so his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone. And the old NIV King James, I think it says, compel. Compel anyone or urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. So it'll be full. Now, as I prepared this whole message, I thought about how we could be an inviting church. And I realized yesterday morning as we were in prayer that I put the wrong title in this part of your notes. So I need you to scratch that and write this in there instead. How to live beyond yourself. Instead of how to be an inviting church, that's really what it is, but how to live beyond yourself. How to, how to live beyond myself. And so I want to talk about that for just a second out of this text and how we might do this. And there's five things. And the first one is this, is if we're going to live beyond ourselves, we have to recognize the roles. We have to recognize two things. One, God prepares, we invite. God prepares, we invite. God sets it up and we just invite. God works in the hearts of men and women. God does things ahead of time. He orchestrates. He makes all these things happen. But all I do is I step in as a sent one from the Lord, and I invite. My job is fairly simple. Your job is very simple. God does all the work. God does all the work. None of us in this room transforms anybody. Nobody actually can twist them and make them, quote, quote, become a follower of Christ. That isn't possible. God prepares all that. God prepares all that, but I invite. I'm sent by God. And sent, you know, the man prepared a great feast, and he sent his servants to his servant to tell the guest. And, and originally, it was speaking of Christ, he being sent to tell them. But then, as as he went to the Father and sits at the right hand of the Father, now he gives us the same responsibility, same mission he had. We have. We're sent. We're inviters. That's our role. Here's the second one: is to live beyond yourself is to understand that God is calling everyone to a great feast. Everyone.
to a great feast. God's calling. He's, he, he's saying, come. He's saying, come to every person on the planet. He's saying, come. It's not a, and it's not a select few. It's not the ones that kind of act right. It's not the ones that have it all together. It's not the ones that look right. It's, it has nothing to do with that. He's, it's because he's saying to creation, come. It's everyone. It's that hard person that you work with. Everyone. It's that family member that about puts you over the edge every Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? It's come. It's that neighbor that it's just a pain in the rear. Come. It's all of those people, God. He wants them to come. And, and so living beyond yourself is realizing that God has prepared something amazing for each person. For every person you meet at the store, God has something amazing for them. Every person that you interact with, that circle of influence that you have, every one of those people, God is saying to them, come, and he might want to be using you to make it happen. God is saying, it's for everyone. There's, there's nobody that's saying, no, not that one. And it's just realize that each person, that no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter where they've gone, no matter how bad it's happened in life, no matter what their situation, he still says, that's the one. Come, come, because God has a place for every person at the table. There's a little name tag that says Troy. I like steak, (laughs) right? I mean, he has a place. God, God was thinking about me. He had already prepared something. He already made room. He had already went through all the processes to open it all up. He prepared it, and it's for everyone. Each person, there's a place for you. God has a place at the table for your family, for your kids, for your brother, for your sister, for your husband, for your wife. His place. There's a place for that person. God, it's everyone. Go, go, tell all of them. Come. Everyone to come to this feast. Your co-workers. And then, and then the second part of this one is understanding God has a calling for everyone to a great feast. See, it's a great feast. I mean, we're not talking Taco Bell. Right? We're not, we're not talking. It's a great feast. It's a party. And, and, it, and it's interesting because it, it, it's a place where I can come and find things like forgiveness and hope and healing and restoration and sight and clarity and strength and freedom and purpose and meaning and identity and life and fulfillment and on and on and on. It's a place that it's great. It's a great place. It's a life-changing place. It's something that makes everything else seem like it doesn't matter. It's a great place. It's a great feast. It's, it's this invitation to this amazing opportunity to be in relationship with God. And all the benefits are yours. It's a great place. It's a great feast. But sadly, here's what happens though. So many times Christianity or even Christ in the relationship with Christ is represented as a religion. Why wouldn't I want to go and be a part of a religion? And I say the same thing. I don't want to be a part of a religion. I want to come to a great feast. Religion doesn't sound like a great feast. Religion sounds like rules and sounds like I have to and sounds like that's not fun. And I, I, don't, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to be a part of that. He's not talking about that. 
But sadly, that's what a lot of people think it is. It's more religion. It's more rules. It's all that. And, and see, if our view of Christianity or the invitation that God is offering to us is a have to and not a get to, maybe we've missed the whole point. If that's in your heart today, I don't want this because, man, it sounds like something. another thing I have to do. You didn't get it then. You didn't get the greatness of the feast. You you didn't understand the magnitude of what he's putting on the table. You You didn't understand how far God is taking this. He's saying, hey, I've got something that you want and you need. It's there. Tell them to come, all of them, to a great feast. And see, maybe we missed it. And our whole lives are really preparation for a big party. And the party even starts now. We experience some of it now. What God has for you is better than anything you can have for yourself. Here's the third point. Is living beyond yourself is avoiding being caught in the trap of excuses. I can't do that. 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 I can't because, and we have a list of excuses. And many of us make excuses why we can't be a part of what God is doing. We think we have a note from mom, right? I got so good in high school at note writing for my mom. I missed 62 days of my senior year. And I still graduated. Come on. Come on. Jennifer's like, I don't know. She, she knew me. She's like, they, I had somebody come to me at, at, and meet, me, meet my son at, a, at a, the wrestling tournament this week and says, yeah, what happened to your dad? I didn't see him in senior year. Did they move? And I was like, I still went to school there. <laughs> I thought I had an excuse, you know. I had a note. And see, that's how some of us do spiritually. We just, we're just missing out. We think we have a note. And, and really what it is is rejection of the invitation is a decision to not come and experience what God has prepared or what God is doing. It's just a decision to do that. And, and many people, many of us, we rationalize, we justify, and we devalue the invitation. But for God, nothing is more important than seeing people in his house. So the very thing that God is saying, this is it, we say, no, it isn't. The very thing that says God, God, that God says it's all about this, we say, nah, not really. And we make excuses, just like they did in the text here. And, and really what happens is for many of us, the issue or the obstacle to experience in the exponential growth of what God wants to do in us and through us happens because of crowding. We allow other things to crowd out our available for, availability for what God is doing. And really what's going on in this text that we just read, those who could not or would not be a part of the great feast had three excuses. Let me just give them to you real quickly. You, you can read them, but let me explain it a little bit. The first excuse was, I bought a field, and I must expect it. I bought a field, and I must expect it. And really what was going on is they had allowed their personal agenda to crowd out God's agenda. My interest, my career, my plans, my business, my schedule, my time. It was a personal agenda that crowded out God's agenda. And none of these are bad, by the way, but it was the fact that it crowded out God's agenda. Here, here's the second one. It says, it says, I bought five pair of oxen, and I want to try them out. I want to try them out. 
really what this one did, they had allowed their own personal desires to crowd out God's experience for their lives. Let me word it another way. They had made their own enjoyment more important than God's enjoyment. They had made their own happiness more important than God's happiness. And they missed it. They just missed it because somehow they got lost in this idea that the goal of life is to be happy instead of the goal in life is to actually fulfill what God put me on the planet to do in the first place. And they just missed it. I've got some new oxen. And I want to go play with them. I want to try them out. I want to have a little fun. You know, and God's not saying don't have fun. He's just saying make sure it doesn't get in the way. Here's the third one. It says, now I have a wife. And I can't come. Every time I laugh, she won't let me come out and play. <laughs> you know, I can't. You know, I, I, now I have a wife. And, and I thought about this last one. This has to be a lie. This one's just a lie. And here's why. This has to be a lie. Because what wife would not want to get all dressed up and go to a party? Come on. Right? It's got to be a lie. But, but here's the point. The point is is they had allowed their personal relationships to crowd out their God relationship. Can I just be a pastor for a second with you? Not that I wasn't before that second, but I see three things that totally derail people on their journey all the time. I'll give them to you. Money. Money. Money derails people all the time. They get so caught up in it. They think that's what it's all about. They take the extra job. They take the wrong job. They, you know, it's it just it, money. And Jesus spoke about that all the time. And the other one is a boy. <laughs> and the other one, guess, is a girl. <laughs> and here's why. Because we make those particular relationships more important than our God relationship. And the moment that happens... What God wants to do in your life gets derailed. Once you make money more important than God, once you make that boy more important than God, or that girl more important than God, or whatever it might be, it derails you. And I'll just take it a little bit further. I'm going to meddle a little bit. When we make our kids more important than God, Sometimes, sometimes we're competing with God again on our goals. Our goals, is, and I'm just going to say this, and you just have to decide if you love me afterwards or not. There's a, there's a thought process in America that thinks every one of our kids is going to be the next NBA, NFL, hockey, whatever sport your thing is, baseball, star in the best in every, every possible way. The reality is they're probably not that good. They might be. And we might have in here the next Steph Curry. Come on. Whew, that guy's awesome. But anyway, that's basketball, by the way. He, I watched the game last night. It was crazy. Um, but we get so caught up in thinking that. And really what we've done, I'll just give, many times we elevate that thought and that idea so far above what God wants to do that that becomes our God. I mean, it's mixed in with relationship, power, position, all those things are mixed in together. So you need to reevaluate that. Am I doing that? So anyway, relationships. So, so avoid being caught in the trap of excuses. Here, here's the fourth one. The fourth one is living beyond yourself as being in a loving pursuit of hurting people. Many of you are here today because somebody pursued you. Many of you are here today in relationship with Jesus because somebody pursued you and you were hurting. 
And see, what happens is this, is love invites and touches the hurting world around us. Love goes to places that nobody else is willing to go. And God is instructing us in this parable for us to go wherever hurting people are, into the streets and the alleys, into the hedges and the byways to go. Because living beyond yourself isn't staying in your little comfort zone. It's actually going to where hurting people are. That God would do that. That God would call us that. And it's not waiting for them to come. It's going to them. And the mission of God is being sent by God to the hurting people that are all around us. And he even gives us four things he talks about in there. He, he says there's four categories, if you will. Invite the poor, which, which is simply those who fall short. Those who feel like they're inadequate. Those who are empty. They're not just broke financially, they're broke spiritually. He says, invite the crippled, those who have been wounded by life and are broken and can't stand on their own. Invite those that have been beat down. I know a few people that have been beat down. We're talking, I mean, you got to invite them. God sent me to invite them. Invite the blind, those who are in the dark and unable to see clearly, struggle to have a vision. They're just doubt and all that. Invite them. Invite the lame, those who have been unable to run and struggle to move forward and feel stuck in life. Invite them. If you want to see exponential growth in your life, begin to live beyond yourself and understand it's a pursuit of those that are hurting. And God has probably surrounded your life with hurting people. Begin to invite. Here's the fifth one is living beyond yourself, is constantly living aware of this fact. It's not done until it's full. It's not done until it's full. There's a phrase in the text that says there's still room for more. I'm looking in this room. There's still room for more. There's still room for more. Until my house would be made full. This is the heartbeat of heaven coming through in the story. It's the heartbeat of heaven, and it's for one There's one more. There's one more. It's the heartbeat of heaven. Again, I said that Luke 15 follows. It's the heartbeat of heaven. See, God's heart is for those who are yet out there. And he says, go and urge and compel them to come. I got a simple question. How do I live a life that compels them? How do I do that? And let me just give you a real simple answer. Do everything you can to help them come. And do nothing that would hinder them from coming. Do everything you can that would help them. Do nothing that would hinder them. In other words, the way you live your life is the best invitation of whether or not they're going to respond to a God that really changes people. So as I close, where are you in the story today? Where are you in this story? Where's your life? In, re- in regards to this parable, where's, where's, your, where's your life? Where are you at in this story? Are you the faithful servant that is living beyond yourself? And I'm doing, I'm, I'm just living, I mean, I'm, every one of those things, man, it's happening in my life. And, and I can honestly be, say to you today, there's some things I still struggle with. But that's my heart, that's my passion, that's my desire. Is that you? You're living as a as a faithful servant that is living beyond yourself you're the sent one are you fulfilling god's mission or or here maybe you're this person in the story are you the one with an excuse of why you can't come and be a part every time some 
invitation comes from God, you have a reason why you can't do it. You have an excuse. You give God this list of reasons why you can't go there, why you can't be a part of what he's doing. Or maybe you're part of the third group. So there's those that are faithful and they're living beyond themselves and they're fulfilling God's mission. There's those that are excusing everything, rationalizing everything, justifying everything. They're not part of it. And then there's those that are poor and crippled and blind and lame. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe that's you in this story today. You're the one that God is trying to say, come. Either way, there's a response for all three of them. Response for the first one is, Lord, continue to use me. Continue to use me, God. There's a circle of people around me. There's a world around me that you've placed there. Continue to use me to fulfill your mission in my life. There's a a response for the excuse person that says, I have this, and maybe it's time, and I'm just going to suggest this, maybe it's time that you lay down the excuses and finally say, Lord, I'm going to come. Maybe it's time. Maybe for the last one, you just simply say, Lord, I'm poor, I'm crippled, I'm blind, I'm lame, I'm hurting, and I need you today. Let's pray. Lord, I know that as a church, you're calling us to experience something beyond ourselves, God. Lord, I know that there's probably people in this room that are in each one of those categories we were just talking about. There's those that are amazingly faithful to the mission, God. They've given their lives to to fulfill your plan and your will. God, I thank you for them. And Lord, I ask that, God, you would just continue to move through them. Lord, I pray for those today because there's probably some in this room that have been making excuse after excuse after excuse why they can't. Somehow they've even convinced themselves that they don't have to be a part of what God's doing. They can just stand over there and it's okay. But Lord, you're still inviting them. And so Lord, I pray with them today that God, they would lay down the excuses and just simply step forward and say, Lord, I'm available. Do whatever you want to do. Send me wherever you want to send me. Lord, I'm yours. Forgive me for the excuses. Lord, the last group of people, Lord, there's those in the room today, God, that, are, that maybe are, are just feeling overwhelmed by the hurt and the pain of their own lives. And God, you're the one that's able to heal. You're the one that's able to forgive. You're the one that's able to restore. And so, Lord, I pray for that person that, Lord, right now, simply they would lift up their arms to heaven and say, God, meet me here in this place. May my life be changed, not because I was able, not because I could make it happen, but simply because I said yes to you, Lord. And I began to experience the the greatness of what you're calling me to. Lord, let it be so. Let it be so. Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name. Amen.